we're going to be looking at a series which we're titling, It's All About Jesus. And, it, and unusually, it's not going to result in us going through a book, kind of chapter by chapter, but we're going to start at the beginning of a book today. We're going to turn to John chapter 1. We see this big picture promise that God has given to Abraham. He's reiterated it to Isaac. He's reiterated it to Jacob. Reiterated it. It's come down the generations. We land at the beginning of John's Gospel. Well, we could land at, any, at the beginning of any of the Gospels and we see something is happening here. This is what it's all been pointing towards. Let's read John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him, yet to all who did receive him. All those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God's. Children born not of, a nat not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God's. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. I'm going to pray as we begin. Father God, I thank you for these wonderful words. Father God, this magnificent gospel summary, this magnificent picture of, of who your son is. Lord, as we spend time, as we dwell, as we just bask in these words, Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, would you encourage us and challenge us? Lord, would you get hold of us? Lord, that we would see Lord, as we've already been encouraged this morning, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus. 
We would turn our eyes upon him and look full in his wonderful face. Oh Lord, thank you. Thank you that your promise to Abraham led here. The word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Amen. You see, there's four Gospels in the Bible where Mark, chapter 1, bursts onto the scene. Mark's not wasting any time. The beginning of the good news. Enter John the Baptist. John the Baptist is already talking to people. Jesus is already grown up. We're ready to go. Well, Luke, he brings a very careful introduction. My dear Theophilus, I'm writing this for you, that you may see. And then begins with this great build-up to the birth, taking in great details of God spoke to Zechariah and promised a son. God spoke to Mary and promised a child. And we see the birth in great detail. When Matthew zooms out and goes, this is where we start. Let's turn there a second. This is where we start. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He takes us right back. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and so he goes on. Look at the history. Look, look. You see, John, John zooms back even further. John goes bigger and grander, and just think about this. Look. And gives us this glorious passage full of layer upon layer of wonderful truth. He zooms right out to the grandeur and splendor of the Word who was there in the beginning. The Word who was God right in the beginning. And as he zooms into the heart of his passage, zooms right in. Look, grand, big, massive. This is the Word. He's not even just going... Well, this is about no, no, no. Looking big at the word who was there at the beginning, right in to verse twelve, to what the word has done, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John zooms right out, Paul resuming right in. But his whole passage screams this out. Look at Jesus. Look at him. Look at the one who has done it. He screams out what we're going to be focusing on across this term up to Christmas. And I hope we kind of focus on all the time anyway, but specifically, it's all about Jesus. So how does he do that? He starts here. Look at Jesus, the eternal word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God with God in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. This is John's total focus, the Word. The Word, the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John, in his opening verses, wants to make it very clear to us who Jesus Christ actually is. When Matthew looks to the history and the lineage, 
That's just Luke a little later in his gospel, pointing to a long history, a rich ancestry. Look, Jesus, not just some random who's turned up from nowhere. Look, you can take his ancestry right back to David, right back to Abraham. Luke goes further back, right back to Adam. Matthew looks at this rich ancestry. John, he looks back into eternity. Here is the word who always was. Jesus himself will say later in John's gospel to the Jews, in in John chapter 8, verse 58, answering them, before Abraham was, I am. John's making very clear, Jesus didn't just arrive as a baby in Bethlehem. Not even a baby with a rich history, an incredible heritage and ancestry. But he's the eternal word. Eternally with God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Eternally, he's been in perfect relationship with the Father. Jesus, with the Father, the Word who was always with God, as as John concludes the passage as well. No one's ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, he's the one who's made him known. Jesus, the Word, eternally, eternally in perfect relationship with God and the Word was God. Eternally with God and eternally God. This is who Jesus is. As Paul echoes in Philippians chapter 2, encouraging us to, to model his humility. But maybe, may your attitude be that as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. This is who Jesus is. This is who the word is. Jesus, the living word, is God and has always been with God in perfect relationship. In eternity past, John's painting this picture of God, Father, Son, and less emphasised, Father, Son, and Spirit together in perfect relationship. In these few words, we're looking back and thinking, wow, always God in perfect relationship Father, Son, and Spirit. This is who he is. This is who he is. Verse 3, through him all things were made. You see, John's opening words have already alluded we're going back to creation. In the beginning. What does that sound like? Genesis 1? But now he paints it clearly. The word who John is emphasising, the word who was God and was with God, Through him, all things were made. This is Jesus. You see, John emphasises the point through repetition. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What's the point of verse 2? He was with God in the beginning. No, look, this this is true. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let me hammer the point home. He was with God in the beginning. And then verse 3, through him all things were made. Okay. Well, let's say it the other way around. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Everything is through him. Jesus, Jesus Christ, he's the word who's always been, always 
with God the Father and always God and through him everything was made. Nothing's been made that didn't come through him. You see how big John is going. This is, how, this is who Jesus is. He doesn't stop. You know, we could spend months in these three or four verses, you understand. It's going to be quick today. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So he goes on a few verses later. He's the true light that was coming into the world. You see, John's painting this wonderful description. This is who I'm writing about. This is Jesus. This is the one. The eternal word, who is God the Son, who's always been in perfect relationship with the Father. The true light that gives life to mankind. The one through whom all things were made. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Lift your eyes, he's saying, readers, and see. This is Jesus. The word of God. God, above all, glorious. You see, John emphasizes here in these opening verses the otherness, the otherness of Jesus and of God. Look, how much bigger, how much greater, how much more wonderful is he? You see, this afternoon I'll be speaking at Shirecliff. And there'll probably be maybe 60, 70 people here. It'll be a relatively small gathering I'll be stood up in front of. This morning, there's maybe, I don't know, a couple of hundred of you. It's a bit bigger. John's not doing that. He's not saying, well, there'll be someone might be like speaking to 70 people. There's someone else. This is, look up. Jesus is bigger. It's like speaking to 200 people. In fact, the other week, well, when we were at Devoted, some of you might have seen, I had to get up and talk about the uh, five to sevens on the Monday morning. And, and rightly, in some ways, people said to me, well, that was a pretty big deal, wasn't it? It was like 2,000 people there. It was bigger. That's not what John's saying. Sorry, this might not be as clear as I think it is. That's not what John's saying. It's bigger, yeah. Speaking in front of 60 people, that's something. Speaking in front of 200 people, like Chris was saying this morning at the beginning, that's something. Speaking in front of 2,000 people, that's something a bit bigger, but it's still the same, in a way. It's still just speaking in front of different people. John's not saying, well, there could be a person, and he's fairly good. Then there's Jesus, and he's much better. John's saying, look, this is totally different. God himself, he is above all. It's not just a bit bigger. It's not just maybe a few more people to talk to. It's not just a little bit better. John's emphasizing, look, when you start to think about Jesus, see, he's God himself. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, everything was made. In him is life and light. He's the true light. He's the living word. Look up, 
and wonder. This is Jesus, the Son who is himself God, the one who has made God known. You see, John, John doesn't start with the birth. He doesn't start launching into Jesus' ministry. He doesn't look at Jesus' human ancestry. He looks right out into eternity and says, look, Jesus is God. See this first of all and understand Jesus is God. Looking back into eternity past in the heavens, look at Jesus, the eternal word. Then he carries on. Look at Jesus through John, the witness. There was a man sent from God, verse 6, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John tells us that John, another John, was a man sent by God. And we see him immediately draw the contrast. John He's been talking about Jesus, the light, the word, the living word, the one who is God. Now, John was a man sent by God. John was a man. He he came as witness to the light, but he wasn't the light. See the contrast. He's talking about John the Baptist. John, who was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, a a miracle baby, and suddenly, in their old age, they have a child. God speaks to Zechariah in the temple promises this baby John is born and John grows up and he he preaches and he draws a crowd people come to him people come to John and they come and he preaches repentance he says come and repent but he was not the light see the repetition again he came as a witness to testify concerning that light He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Again, even as John is preaching and declaring the way, John is saying, look, this is what you need to do. Come. Come. Even as he's doing all of that, what's he doing? He's pointing to Jesus. Not to himself. John came as a witness to the light, but he wasn't the light. It's all about Jesus. As it continues in verse 15, John testified concerning him, Jesus. John cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. John knows he's come, sent by God. And John here is is showing us, look, there was a man who came, but look, even he, even as I talk about him, we're looking at Jesus. We're pointing to him. What a calling John has. Witness to the true light. Again, even as John says that here, sorry, it's two Johns, very complicated. Witness to the true light, not, not to just a decent teacher who might be coming, or even an excellent teacher. Not to a righteous man who may deserve some respect. Not even to a, look, there's one who's coming, he's a brilliant, charismatic leader, you want to follow him. He's a great guy. Not just that. Witness to the true light. The living word, the son of God. What a calling John has. 
And it's ours too. John's call was specific and particular and for the time. And yet, we who have been saved, we're all witnesses of Jesus. All witnesses, and think, who is it we're witness to? The living word, the son of God, the true light who came into the world. Like John, we're not the light ourselves. But we point to Jesus, the true light. You see, John's calling is massive and wonderful, and yet it's a humble calling. Crowds gathered to John, and John's message was, no, don't follow me, follow him. Follow him, the one who's coming. In 1 John 4, 4, we, we read that, that truth underpins that. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. It's he who is in us. Not, it's not that I am greater than the, those who are in the world, but he who is in us. Jesus, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. Wonderful truth there. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. But what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of, Jesus, face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're the clay, but in us, it's the light because it's Jesus who's come. So even looking at John the Baptist, John is saying, look at Jesus through his wonderful witness. We're looking at John, but he's showing us, look at Jesus. So look at Jesus, the eternal word. Look at Jesus through John, the witness. As we close in on the glorious truth of the gospel can gloss over the words so easily. Look at Jesus, the word become flesh. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So easy to say the words... The true light was coming into the world. The Word, who was with God and was God and is God and has been from eternity past, became flesh. And we can say the words and it sounds... Okay. But John is drawing our attention to that, this, which is monumental. It's astounding. This is huge. You see, that's why John started with this description of Jesus. Look how other he is. Look how massive he is. Look how above and beyond he is. He is God. And then let it sink home. This word that I've been talking about became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The true light was coming into the world. As, as I was preparing, this image popped into my head. Head. Imagine for a minute. You have to imagine. It's not going to happen. The sun, the sun with a U, coming to Earth. 
As I started to, you might immediately be going, this is a silly image, Rich. What are you talking about? It got even more silly. I then started thinking about the TV program Sarah and Duck on CBBS. Anyone, anyone, come, anyone on Sarah and Duck? Jules, thank you, and some others. Now, one of the characters in Sarah and Duck is the moon. Interesting, the moon walks around on the earth and the moon has to go to work. The moon has to get up into the sky to go to work. But in reality, the moon can't come to earth and the sun can't come to earth. But imagine for a minute the sun coming to earth and I suddenly thought, actually, there's something here of the magnitude of what we're talking about. You see, the magnitude a star coming to a planet. And you just go, what? A star, the sun coming to earth and yet not burning up all in its path. The sun coming to earth and being able to walk around on the earth that's smaller than it. The sun who provides light from far off, being able to come and dwell amongst us. Well, now see it again. The word, God, through whom all things were made, the true light was coming into the world. The word, the word, God, became flesh. And wonder at it, and wonder at it. The word became flesh. Perfect, glorious light, the true light, the very word of God, this power, this perfection, this God coming to earth. See, all of that, is known as the, the incarnation, God becoming man, God becoming flesh. The incarnation is magnificent. It's an utterly amazing moment in history. God became a man. God became, took on human flesh and became a person. If you know the song, Mary, Did You Know? It tries to capture some of this some, try and put this into words somehow. What on earth was going on as Mary held baby Jesus? Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? This sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. And when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. A wonderful line from the first verse. This child that you have delivered, Mary, will soon deliver you. Do we, do we see? Do we understand? Could, could, could Mary understand in that moment what on earth was going on here? The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The very word of God became a baby, a boy, a man, fully human and yet fully God. The perfect word stepping down. You see, of course, Paul in Philippians 2 continues, as we read earlier, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being found in human likeness. He stepped down. The one who was and is in very nature God took on human flesh. 
So look at Jesus and see the word became flesh. Lead us right into the centre of this passage. Look at Jesus and see what he has done. The Word. The wonderful, powerful, eternal Word of God. Who is God? That Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John was witness to him. The true light. Jesus, the Son of God, he came. Became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. And the passage centres here. The message John brings centres here in verses 10 to 13. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And what happened? He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. We see the life of Jesus summarised in very few words. He came unto his own, and his own didn't receive him. Rejected, not recognised. Isaiah prophesied similarly, and a bit more graphically, in Isaiah 53. And verse 2, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Jesus, the very word of God, through whom all things were made, became flesh and came to earth as a baby, grew into a boy, grew into a man, and yet he came to his own, and yet his own did not recognise him. So many rejected. So many said, who is this guy? What's this all about? You see, John only alludes here to the rejection that ultimately meant death on a cross But it's summed up here, his own did not recognise him. They rejected him. He was despised and rejected. Yet, to all who did receive him, here is the central point of John's message here, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And we see right in the midst of John 1, to 18, John 1, 1 to 18, the plan and the purpose of the eternal living word becoming flesh. The seed of Abraham promised so long before, bringing blessing for all families, for all nations on earth. This is how it came. This is how it came about to all who receive him, all who believe in him, have the right to become children of God. It's the glorious grace and mercy of the gospel. That the eternal living word, the true light, God the Son, stepped down so far. So far. Back with Paul in Philippians, he humbled himself. 
taking the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. The eternal living word stepped down so far that we may be raised up so far. Wow. And cry out with the psalmist in Psalm 8 verse 4, What is man that you are mindful of him? What does the psalmist say in Psalm 8? And verse 1. Psalm 8 verse 1. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Oh, Lord, given your glory, your magnificence, everything you've made, all that you've done, what is mankind that you are mindful of us? And yet, this is what Jesus has done to all who believe him, all who receive him, all who believe in his name. He gives the right to become children of God. As Philip Bliss, the hymn writer, puts it, and quoted this at prayer meeting last week, just this distinction, guilty, vile and helpless we. That's where we were, that's who we were, that's what... There was nothing we could say. Spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement. Can it be? This is where John leads us to. Look how amazing Jesus is. And he became flesh. And because of what he did, he allows us to become children of God. Wow. Here's the glorious truth of the gospel. John is showing us, look how much he has done for us. And therefore, don't ever diminish this. Never lose the wonder of it. Never lose the, the glory of what it is that the Son of God himself became a man and died, that we may become children of God. Wow. You see, this is the wonder of the gospel. You see, we can play it down. You see, Jesus isn't just some kind of missing piece in my life. But we can say it. We've got a Jesus-shaped hole in us. Actually, we're kind of generally okay, but there's this Jesus-shaped hole that something needs to come and fill. Jesus, come and fill this hole. See, that's not what's happening here. This is the magnitude of what's happening here. The Son of God has stepped down to lift us out of the pit where we were lost without a trace, without lost with absolutely no way to come back the son of God himself came and died let me think not just not just that we are forgiven debts have piled up we can use that image we've got this credit card with this unlimited debt that we can never pay but now it's been wiped clean and the slate is clean so we can try a bit harder next time no God's done so much more And we could easily think this. We catch hold of this. The 
God, who has been described so wonderfully, Jesus so magnificent, has done all this. Well, surely then, if only God would at least just tolerate me. That's all I could ask. God's forgiven me, but that's it. Surely, I just stay on the outside and God at least won't burn me or destroy me. You think about the prodigal son. He's squandered everything. He's gone away and he comes to his senses. But what does he think? My father's servants do better than I'm doing now. If only, if only my father would, would just let me come and be a servant. And just let me come and, and work my guts out every day just so I can be somewhere near him. But what does the father do? He runs down the road to him, lavishes love and grace on him. This is what God's done. He's not died so that we're just tolerated. He's not died so that we're just forgiven. Hear that rightly. He's not died so that it can fill some kind of missing hole in our life. He's died that we may become children of God. A complete change of status. Guilty, vile, helpless sinners are now brought in to be children of God. Loved, accepted, brought into the family. It's wonderful. Wonderful truth. It's 1 John 3, 1 says, See what grace the Father, Father has lavished on us that we may be called children of God. And that is what we are. Grace in place of grace. Jesus comes full of grace and truth, making known the Father to us. Oh, today, if you know him, never lose the wonder. Let him lead you, mould you, shape you. We can see through, through the scriptures, we can see this wonderful sense of God as our Father. Luke 11, 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asked for a, a fish, would give him a snake or a egg would give him a scorpion well well you you even though you're evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask we read in a different way in hebrews 12 endure hardship as discipline why because your father's treating you as a son he loves you he cares for you. Never lose this wonder that this is what the word became flesh for. To bring sons and daughters to God. To give us the right to become children of God. And today, if you don't know him, I'd encourage you to hear this promise. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God's. The Son of God, the living word, this one who John's described so brilliantly. He invites you to believe him. He invites you to receive him. It involves repentance. It involves acknowledging we've got it wrong. We've all got it wrong. That's a category of everyone. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But repentance is a turning around from that old way. Turn around and come to him today. Receive him. Believe in his name.
Isaiah 53, verse 6, that passage goes on. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We've all gone astray, and yet this is what Jesus has done. He's taken our iniquities. He's taken it all. The Lord has laid on him all of it as he went to the cross. The word who was there from the beginning became flesh, was rejected and crucified, taking all our iniquities on himself that we may become children of God. I invite you today, you can know him. You can be a child of God. Throughout this term, we're going to be focusing on this one man, Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what our lives are all about. We're going to do that in a variety of ways. But today, this is the message. Lift our eyes and see how wonderful he is. How incredible it is that the God of the universe, the one who had been there from eternity past, in perfect relationship with the Father, he became a man and he died that we may be called children of God. Hallelujah. What a saviour.